Welcome to another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 74. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaiah Drone Thirds. Tonight's panelists are Reverend James Turkneck and Yolanda F. Williams. Yolanda F. Williams, please say hello to the people. Hello, good evening, everyone. I hope everyone is staying safe and wishing everyone a wonderful evening. And Reverend James Turkneck, please say hello to the people. Hello, how you doing? This is Dr. James Turgan. I'm running for Dallas City Council District 7, and I hope everyone is doing great. All right, well, tonight's topic is one that is going to happen whether we like it or not. And that is community goals during and after COVID-19. Over the past decade, policymakers and practitioners have increasingly focused on the need to implicitly engage people who have long left out of community engagement activities. Groups often excluded include the elderly, citizens re-entering public life after incarceration, people with limited access to the internet or with limited computer literacy, immigrants, homeless people, people with physical and mental disabilities, people with low incomes, people working several jobs, or working during non-traditional hours and people who are English language learners. Each year, in the United States, nearly 400,000 students drop out of public high schools. Among those high school graduates, only one-third will attain college or trade school. Of those who do, many are still unprepared to join the professional workforce. Tonight, we will have a discussion. We will be addressing these needs to ensure that ideas about community goals during and after COVID-19 are talked about, are planned, and discussed. First, I want to pull from Reverend Dr. James Turkneck. Please tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself, sir. Yes, I'm a United States Army veteran. I served more than eight years in the United States Army and also in the reserves. Uh, drill sergeant, platoon sergeant, supply sergeant, and um, equal opportunity um, representative. And then after that, I came into ministry as a youth minister, then a youth pastor, associate pastor, senior pastor, an apostle and a bishop. For about 30 years, I've worked doing programs around the city. Over 50 ministries came out of our ministry at one time at the height of our ministry, mostly in the Pleasant Grove area of Dallas, where we uh, dealt with homelessness, had homeless shelter, several daycare centers, and we just reached out to a pantry, food pantry, to the needs of men and, and people and children. We had a dynamic youth ministry with all the arts, the dance, the drama, um, you name it. Um, and so I'm excited that I get a chance to try to bring this to another level as the Dallas City Council and reach our community in uh, creative ways. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, Dr. Turkneck and, and I have worked together. Uh, well, actually, when I first came to Texas, he was like one of the first ministries I hooked up with. Uh, I was recommended to him by a hip-hop artist uh, named Sugar yeah. T. 
That's important, right. sister. She told me yes. to connect with this mighty warrior, this mighty man of God, this mighty man of valor. Yeah. And so when I got here to Dallas, he was the first person uh, that I worked for, and I, I um, and I served for him uh, faithfully yeah. in the community yeah. and Pleasant Grove. We went. We did some of everything related to ministry, from feeding homeless to babysitting to putting together yes. little uh, mentorship groups, uh, concerts, yes. going to speak, uh, supporting yes. other ministries, you name it, we did it. And so I, I know uh, what you do and what you bring firsthand. I, I never see, seen you ask for a dime, not even a penny. Uh, but people value what you did, and I, I actually I would sit with you many days. You know that uh, I would yep. sit with you, and people would just come to you and just uh, put money in your hand. I was like, "What in the world is that?" Yep. And you told me it's, it's a, the gift of the paymaster. And I, I remember you would be riding with me in my Lexus uh, truck all throughout yep. the hood, and no one would bother us. We would go up to hardened criminals and get out the truck and they will hug you and they will say, yes. Reverend Turkneck. And so you have been a face in the community. You have been a face in the community yes. ever since I've known you uh, when I yes. moved here. And so the question I want to I ask you, and I want you to take your time in unpacking this question, and then I'm going to pour from uh, Yolanda Faye Williams after that. But the question I want to ask you is, um, how can community leaders uh, plan on balancing their expectations of policymakers and practitioners with more empathy um, on the other side of COVID and, and even during COVID-19? That's my question. A very interesting question, very uh, um, high-level question. Um, I think, first of all, we have to first sympathize and empathize with people who are going through, who have had the COVID virus, and we have to go back to communication. We in our communities need a better communication system where we can share resources with one another. You know, and this has not been happening because uh, I heard uh, Yolanda Fay, I took this page out of her book, we need to um, get with our water system and put it on the older people bills. We need to uh, go to um, the um, libraries to deal with certain people. I think we really need to find better ways to communicate with our people and with the leaders because if we come together as a unit, we have everything that we need to cure all of our problems in our communities. And so my job is I want to bring the resources together unite the resources because we have been divided too long and the people are are needing us right now so we're at a special time in, in life like never before but we have a chance to unite the people and so i just believe that i'm one of those people and uh, miss yolanda faith one of those people we got people like us that's trying to unite and not divide the fighting is over we have fought we have disagreed, we have not understood one another, but we need a new leader who can bring people together and who can uh, write policies that can help literally make changes in our community. Oh, well, you know, you can, I can listen to you talk all day. What I heard mainly from what you said was commitment. And with the commitment, it will give us perspective. 
And with that perspective, it will strengthen or develop our social competencies, right? And what I also heard from what you said, and I agree uh, with what you said, uh, one of the reasons why communication has been flawed or there's a barrier to communication is because of distraction or noise. And there's so much noise in that, uh, you know, a lot of times communities can't focus through the noise or get the people to focus through the noise and hear and hear the perspective. You know, we hear about the problems. We hear about the violence. We hear about uh, the poverty. We hear about what the homelessness. We hear about the elderly not being taken care of the way they should be. We're hearing about the limited access to the Internet, right? We're hearing about limited computer literacy. We're compacted with now mental uh, illness, mental disabilities, and, and suicide rates that are astronomical uh, since this COVID-19 has come upon us. And so we need... Uh, we need not only ministers, but we need we need people that are seasoned seasoned cadre in the community, like yourself and Miss Williams, to to come in and guide us and show us how to navigate. We need a face that the people can recognize. We need a face that the people can trust. We need a face that and a voice that the people will hear and follow. Right. So that when you write these policies, you can get those petitions signed. And so, you know, with with that being said, Yolanda F. Williams. Hi. um, Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Yolanda Faye Williams. I'm a native of Dallas, Texas, a lifelong resident in Pleasant Grove, Texas. I've been here for over 48 plus years. I went to elementary here. I went to Pearl C. Anderson Academy. I graduated from Spruce High School in 1987. And I went on um, and attended undergrad school at U- University of North Texas. I have a bachelor in criminal justice and I have a master in marketing from Texas A&M Commerce. So I would like to say hello. But I'm a Big Ten fan as well. So I'm kind of all over the place because my nephew went to a Purdue. But what I am, I'm just a volunteer worker, just a servant. Um, I love God and I love our community. And so um, my mom passed in 2019 of cancer when I ran for city council. So it was a little rough, but I kept my head up high, kept my emotions. And um, she encouraged me to keep fighting, keep working, uh, number one, for the Lord and keep um working for the community and take care of the seniors because one day she said I hope that you will want God to bless you so um, I've just dedicated my time it's, it's natural it's normal my grandmother used to uh, work at a nursing home so that's where I started uh, the love for older people just picking her up my senior year and going in there and volunteering and I just love helping people I enjoy doing whatever I can to make people better because um, I didn't grow up in a household where my grandmother and my parents and my dad and my aunts and uncle, we didn't grow up with, we can't, and with the um, mentality of people holding us back. We was taught that if you play by the rules, believe in God, work hard, you can be and achieve whatever you want. So when people talk about Pleasant Grove, my hashtag is Hashtag Pleasant Grove Proud because I want everyone to know regardless what they say about us, you know, yes, we have poverty. Yes, we have low income. Yes, we have issues. Yes, we have crime. But we also have a wonderful community and we have a diverse community. And so I like to always market 
our community and the people who live in the community. So outside of working and earning a paycheck, I've dedicated the majority of my life um, just volunteering and not just in the District 5, the Pleasant Grove area, all over the city of Dallas. And I just want to leave here and leave a legacy. And so when that time comes, I want to be able to preach my own eulogy by the things that I have done to help others and just give back what has been given back to me. As, as I hear you speak, I can hear legacy. I can hear the legacy that you would hear in a person like Mahalia Jackson, the legacy that you would hear in a person like Shirley Caesar. And though that, that implementation that I hear represents the fiber of the people. You are a servant, you are a servant leader. You've, you are a active agent in the community and community engagement and community involvement. And you are a, a, an achiever. Not only are you an achiever, but you are an overachiever. And as you speak, the listening audience can hear nothing but your heart. And uh, with that being said, I want to ask you a question. And I want your heart to speak. The question is, what are your plans for helping city council leaders Okay, relieve, relieve some of the fears and some of the anxieties during this pandemic crisis and, and even beyond. Well, you, you, the, the best um, way to ease people fear, people have to, you have to get on people level. And, uh, as you know, COVID does not discriminate. COVID does not care if you're rich, poor, blind, old. COVID does not care what community you live in, neighborhood, because we've lost a lot of uh, great people to COVID. And so the way I can say what the things, some of the things I have done, excuse me, the minute COVID hit, I asked God, what can I do? And I called the seniors in our community and I start asking them would they like to take the vaccine I started registering on my computer and I put my email address because a lot of seniors do not have email they do not know how to um, use the computer and so that way I can keep up with their appointment I personally have driven some other seniors to their appointment I have two seniors now one is bedridden so I'm waiting um, to see waiting for a return phone call to see how they can go in administer the shot and the other one lives outside of that zip code you know I live in a vulnerable zip code and Monday November I mean I'm sorry March the 20 March the 15th they it was on the news the night before the 14th says starting March the 15th age group 15 64 can register 
I need to get the shot because I spent a lot of time around the seniors. Well, that Tuesday morning at 16, I woke up, I had an email saying that I could go and take the shot. So I've received my first dose of Pfizer. I go back April the 6th and get the second dose. So one way you can ease the fears, we have to be re-educated. And we know within the African-American community that there's a lot of fears, but we have to be, we have to re-educate the community. But I would like to say you have a lot of seniors who are taking advantage of it. So now I'm just trying to work with uh, my church and the local churches to see can we do what I call a uh, COVID-a-thon where we try to get as many people as we can, minorities, brown and black, to uh, register to get the vaccine. So those are some of the things I think we can do to help ease the fear is just um, people need to know and connect with you. They connect with you. They can feel you. So that's one way the city can do uh, try to help push this, take politics out of it and look at it. Uh, from a different lens and a different perspective. We're here to help. Every word that uh, we are saying, every word that we are hearing, these are vitamins. These are vitamins to a, a society, to a people that need uh, that need that assuredness, that need to be equipped, that need to be revealed, that needs to be reformed, that even needs to be rebuilt. So this is a, you know, this conversation is about reformation. This conversation is about uh, reforming, reforming something that, that's been broken. And so now we got to reform it, but we can't reform it until we reveal that there is a problem. Then we can reform it. And after we reform it, then we can start rebuilding the structure. This structure has to be rebuilt. Why? Because now technology is in the mix. We've always talked about technology being in the mix, and now we are focused to drink tech, that technology cup because now it's in the mix whether we like it or not. We have synchronous learners now, asynchronous learners now. Technology is taking over. And with that being said, I want to thank you both for coming on to the podcast, but I want to I want to dig a little bit deeper. I want to get a little bit more personal, and I want to get in your business a little more. Um, and and also, I want you to prepare Miss um, Yolanda to tell or share a personal story with the listening audience um, here in a little bit. So prepare yourself because I'm gonna ask you to share a personal story that has touched you uh, during this COVID-19 crisis. Uh, but with that being said, Reverend Turknet. Reverend Dr. Yes, Turknet, what are yes, some tools, what are some tools that community leaders can use to keep their communities empowered? Now, this is coming from a man that knows about empowerment. You empowered me in more ways than one. But what are some tools that you could give community leaders right now to keep them empowered, to help them keep their communities empowered? That's good. That's very good. I want to say this, and I, I don't want to move this into a spiritual. I know it's not a spiritual broadcast, but one of my mentors said something tremendous that really stuck in my mind. Because in motivational speaking, I'm a, you know, I'm a master power coach certified. We have something they call paradigm shifts, and you've heard of that now in church also. I'm correct. And that just means having a shift of your mindset because you can't change something with the same mind. See, the reason why our leaders have never 
change the situation, even though they have good intentions, they want to come in, they want to do this. You have to change your mindset in order to change the situation. I know that makes sense, right? If you don't change your mindset, you're going to do the same thing the last leader did, which most of them didn't do as much as they would have liked. Some didn't do much at all. Some did some, you know. Well, here's a new potential thing. It's called a paradoxical shift. In other words, we have a lot of problems that we have had started in this realm. It's going to take another realm to deal with these problems. Paradoxical means to have a heavenly mind shift so that you can get some strategies from a higher source, a higher power. I, I, you ever heard of I, I before? Uh, you familiar with AI, right? Right, right. AI, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, there is something called I.I. And I.I. is infinite intelligence. You have to get connected with infinite intelligence in order to have a strategy to change the situation for what we were in because it was started in another realm, but you've got to change it from a higher realm. So in order for the leaders to change the communities they're in, they have to do it from another realm. They can't be in the same realm as the people that started the problem and changed it. So that's why we've had so many good intentions, but they couldn't do it. And they sit around, why I couldn't do it? You have to change. You have to elevate your mind. You have to elevate your thoughts so that you can move in a different realm in order to change the destiny of your community. If not, you're going to be working in a natural realm. And you cannot change it from the same situation it was made in. So you have to go to I.I., infinite intelligence. Not A.I., but I.I. And infinite intelligence has a download to download into you what you need to do for your community and how to change your circumstances. And so patterns are going to, I'm speaking right now from another place, patterns are getting ready to be delivered to people and folks are going to wonder how you got this pattern. How, how did she get that pattern? She, she's not that bright. He's not that sharp. This is what's happened in the first dispensation of time when there were black people who ruled the earth and the first kings, the pharaohs, and uh, they had female kings called Candaces, Cleopatras, and they had other uh, king females. And these people built pyramids. They had not the measurement we have up today, but they left their uh, mindset of the natural realm and they went into another realm, a paradoxal realm. And through the paradoxal realm, it revealed unto them measurements that only could have came from I.I., infinite intelligence. And people are mind-boggled to hide if they get the measurements correct and right for pyramids over 6,000 years ago. So I believe we got to go to a higher realm to change these situations. If you're going to stay carnal and you're going to stay small-minded and you're going to fight and fuss, you're not going to change something. That's why the leaders ain't changed nothing because they refused to go to a higher realm. Okay, you did go spiritual, but that's okay. That's okay. Now, what I, that's a lot. That's a lot to chew on, you know. And like I say, you're, 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 you're one of my teachers, so I, I dare not come at you sideways, but I will uh, maybe interest your intellect by saying uh, 
prayer is main is a main key to that that consciousness that conscious life that you were speaking about that the essence yeah. of prayer the essence of prayer we have to come together and like yeah. uh, sister Williams said we got to go back to the old land the old landmark the old school way yeah. of doing things and back in the day yeah. we had prayer warriors that will help us shift yeah. Uh, with the authority that we needed and give us the yes. faith that has to happen for things to give access to people that you would normally get uh, access to or you would think that would, would receive access and that will give mm-hmm. us a new meaning of joy. It'll give us a new meaning of joy and that will pull us toward love and love will pull us toward being stronger and more unified and then you'll stop seeing all this death because you cannot have love and death in the same place because when you have love there is life and so then this becomes a universal salvation well you know this you know this is why this is what happens uh, Miss Yolanda, when when uh, Reverend Turknick and I sit down and, at the table, we we've been doing this for years, and so, and so yeah. this authority, this authority, this authority uh, has to be positioned uh, in the right place for things to happen, and, and it, it's not a color thing, it's not a black mm-hmm. or white Hispanic thing. It's it's really a love thing. We got to have this love thing going on, and with that love thing going on, then we'll start seeing things shift. We'll start seeing things move because the greatest fighter of all time is love. Love is the greatest fighter of all time, and so yeah. we have a fight. We have a fight. Uh, in front of us <laughs> and the only way we're going to win this fight is through love it's through unity it's through us it's through us joining arms lack of arms together bringing brilliant people like yourselves uh, to, to the table to have a conversation to make some plans to put a council together oh yeah but you get me excited. <laughs> With that being said, uh, let me thank you for adding value to this podcast. By the way, well, first of all, let me let me hear uh, what Miss um, Williams has to say about what just what what you just spoke about, uh, Reverend Turknick. Well, um, Pastor Turknick and I are in two different districts, but our district butts up with each other. I echo some of his sentiments. It's, it's, I'm trying to describe it and take the politics out of it because sometimes there's too much politics and you can't get the things that you need done. And so I think that where we're at in the season that we're in, um, things is going to be done um, differently. And I'll take a page out of Pastor Turgnick when he says uh, things won't be done business as usual. And that's that's the season that we're in. You know, we have um, we live in a blessed city. Uh, we live in a blessed country, but yet and still we have poverty all over. We have issues, we have concerns, and although um, city council government can't solve all of these issues, we also have to talk about where do we fit in, what role will we play, because it's it's on us as well. If we're going to um, 
crime cannot be solved which is police in our community i mean just the police we have to play a part in it and i think if we can just go back to the old way of doing things and i think we will see a big change in our community you know i was talking to one of the senior citizens the other day and i told her i said i know that you all have you know labored you poured and you gave and you ministered to us i said but i think god is is calling on you all to come back out and i know you're ready to retire i said because it looks like we're moving backwards and forward and so um i've just been praying and hoping that um god will you know touch the seniors heart because they are living longer and they do have a lot of wisdom and then i hope that the millennia can take heed to what they're saying and know that you know the ways have already been paid for us we should be working smarter and not harder so i i just believe and know in my heart that uh things is going to be different and it won't be business as usual in dallas texas and i still remain hopeful that um we're going to repair the brokenness because everything is broken right now. So um, I'm just excited to be here and be able to share a word and just talk about some of the things that um, I've been blessed to do for um, our community and just hoping, trying to just pull someone else out. Just like when we was growing up, you know, it took a village to raise a community. I had great upbringing, but, you know, I was hard headed, the next door neighbor. So I'm just trying to give back what was given to me and hopefully I'm able to uh, help someone um, in need um, let me let me pull let me get a story please from both of you but uh, uh, Miss Williams can you, can you give us sure, a personal story uh, that you have uh, just endured or went through or experienced during COVID-19 Whew. well let me try to think because you know um my story during COVID-19, it see, it's happened 2019, March is when it all started, right? Is that when COVID hit? March? Yes. Was it March here. 2019? Here in Texas, yes, ma'am. Yeah, here in Texas, okay. Well, I can say when COVID hit and started in 2019, that's when they began to shut everything down. I was uh, back and forth. Uh, well, I think my mother knew that she had cancer, but she delayed telling us because uh, my sister is a, is a sergeant with DPD and she had got sick like the, the end of 2018 and was in the hospital, I believe, for a couple of months. And so I think my mother knew, but you know, like any other mother, they withhold things and put their life on hold. So at the time, I didn't know that my mother was ill. I think, what is that, March 27th, Memorial Day or Labor Day? I get those confused. And I tricked my mom and told her I was taking her to the doctor because I noticed that um, she slipped in the tub and my spirit says something is not right. So I told my sister, I told my mom, I said, let's go to the doctor. And that's when we found out, we found out, you know, that she had cancer. So my um, COVID moment was uh, with some challenges at the time, you know, we had 
people that we knew lost their loved ones. They had passed, but, you know, thank God that my mom didn't, you know, die from COVID. She died from lung cancer. And then in October, um, my uncle died the same year. And so that was um, challenging. It was challenging, and I was in the middle of running an election. The election was over. You know, at the time, I think my mom still didn't tell us because she was concerned about me running for city council. She knew that was my heart. So my COVID moment was, first of all, it's with all those who have lost their lives and loved ones um, due to COVID and uh, then losing my mom in uh, August the 28th and my uncle uh, October the 16th right afterwards. And we're very, very close-knit family. And I can tell you by the grace of God, God keeps me um, and gives me my strength, first of all. But just hearing my mother, um, just letting us know that... Um, she is okay and she didn't have a problem and she didn't want to do any more treatment because her words were, you know, she's saved and if God wanted to heal her, he could have, but because he chose not to, she's okay. And so um, I had a COVID moment. And I had a mom moment, and my Uncle John was the one who I could talk to about politics. Him and my dad, they knew everything, you know, and I knew everything, too. We were all three Capricorns. So um, that was challenging, but what keeps me going is the first God, and we have a supportive family and loved ones, and just hearing my mom, you know, telling me that um, she was proud of us. We did everything that most parents will want them to do a child to do stay out of trouble and to just um keep the fight going keep the love going for god and for the community and she said next time baby it is your season and even when i get tired today sometimes i could feel her spirit and you know and between her and my grandmother because that's where it started with my grandmother community service opened her door so that was my COVID moment and I just put me on hold and just started protecting and looking out for the seniors trying to register as many seniors as I could and I'm still as I told you earlier and I'm still doing it so um, that's why it was important for me to take the vaccine because I can't I don't want to be around the vulnerable and then I'm vulnerable. So that's my COVID moment and that just sending my condolence and my prayers to everyone who have lost loved ones due to COVID. Uh, thank you, Yolanda F. Williams. Uh, and I believe COVID started in Texas in 2020, March, I think 19th, year 2020, I think something, something like that around that. Oh. Uh, let me ask you. Uh -huh. Wait a minute. Let, 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 Hold on. You, 2020? You see how uh -huh. you see how you see how I'm all forgetful. 2020. Okay, you, thank you. 2020 was like a gap year, though. It, it was. It it's like it never even. It went by. It was just so strange. It's like even though so much happened, it was like it it was like in limbo. It was like a limbo type of year. But let me ask you something. This is a personal question. What was your What was your favorite meal from What was your favorite meal from your mother that you liked for her to cook? Oh, you really want to know my favorite meal. My favorite meal. <laughs> pork chops. We love pork chops. My sister didn't like pork. She stopped eating pork. But 
fried pork chops was the favorite meal. So, and then my uncle now is, you know, I live in my grandmother's house. And they live in my mom's house, and we live on the same street. So, you know, in our community, everyone just kind of passed the house there. So my uncle does the, uh, he's next in line. It was only three males and five uh, females. She was the oldest. So my uncle cooks now, and he'll text me. When he say we, he cooks pork chops, he know I just go crazy. So fried pork chops. Okay, I still, I still eat fried pork chops, too, so... Uh, Dr. Turnick, you heard that, so we know where to go. Uh, get some fried pork chops. But uh, with that being said, uh, Pastor Turnick, please tell us a story about uh, what you've experienced during COVID-19. COVID-19 was a turnaround year for me. Um, running for office, I, I was went through so many challenges. I knew God was changing my life around and the businesses that I had before, I couldn't make money from them anymore. I tried, I opened up one of my old businesses, wasn't working. And then I knew, I said, okay, God didn't want me doing this anymore. So I said, if you want me to go in the workforce, I go in the workforce. So I had this job, I knew I was going to run for office. And so I was going to get this job with the census. And I'm like, hey, I'm getting paid to go in District 7 and walk around and get paid. But it was like, they hired me, but I couldn't finish the application. It's amazing. I kept, it wouldn't go through on a computer, wouldn't go through on the phone, it wouldn't go through on other computers. I don't know what the problem was. Then down to me, maybe God didn't want me to do it. So he kind of had me in a serving job. In a serving job, and I was downtown for eight months until I went to the bank. And I was downtown with all the homeless, the criminals, and everybody. Man, I must have broke up so many fights and helped so many people. I put, I started utilizing those ministry gifts, just like I did in Pleasant Grove and East Dallas and everywhere else. I started leading a bunch of kids to Christ, older people to Christ. And man, I was leading so many of them. I guess, I guess the people at that job started saying, well, we need to get him going because he's leading too many people to Christ. People were coming back down, the homeless people, they were getting places to stay. I was praying for them. And they were getting places to stay. They were getting jobs and we were coaching them and, and it was just awesome. So I didn't want to do the job. Didn't, wouldn't have picked the job, but I was in a serving job where God wanted me. And then he sent me over to the bank and the bank was a lot easier around a lot of uh, higher class people. But we still had homeless that came through, but those are just some amazing experiences through uh, um, you know, just serving people during this time. And I noticed uh, so many homeless people out there on the streets and none of them are wearing masks, okay? Tremendous amount of them. And I would talk to the homeless people and say, why are you not wearing a mask? Well, I'm not afraid. Um, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. I'm like, whoa, that disease is not gonna come upon me. That, it didn't come from God. I'm like, really? Okay. So it's amazing. I'm like looking at these homeless people and ain't none of them dying. But however, I just prayed for them and did my job to lead them um, to God the spiritual way. But it was a great year for me. I was able to learn some things, make some investments, and and do a lot better than I had been doing because I had been in a tremendous challenge. So I'm very thankful for the way that God allowed it to be. And now I'm glad that I have the opportunity to run for Dallas City Council from another outlook, from a more humble perspective. Sometimes if you have a lot, you don't really appreciate God. But if you don't have a lot, you appreciate God more. 
Well, that couldn't have been said any better. Listen, this was another impactful night and thought-provoking night as well of the Impact of Education Leadership. Uh, tonight's panelists were Reverend James Turkneck and Yolanda F. Williams. Good night.